Welcome to Bitcoin Basics with your hosts, Faris and Gordon. Visit bitcoinbasics.help if you need help buying and securing your Bitcoin. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Bitcoin Basics podcast. I am your host, Ferris, flying solo today. And the date today is the 20th of March, 2023. The price of Bitcoin is 27900 at time of recording. The block height is 781586 and one dollar will get you, that's one US dollar, will get you 3,584 Satoshis today. Uh, I just had a really fascinating conversation with Chris Defer Pavlesic, and he is launching, hosting Australia's first Bitcoin only conference that's happening in Sydney in three weeks. And no, sorry, a bit more than three weeks, uh, April 15th in Sydney. So, Check out BitcoinAlive.io. Chris talks about this on the show, what they're doing. And Chris uh, is an OG, almost an OG Bitcoiner, but he's been around for a while now. And um, yeah, he's been involved in mining. He's involved in um, digital sovereignty. So we had a lot of things to talk about. So I was expecting to have a short conversation about the conference, but we ended up talking for about an hour about um, yeah digital sovereignty and Bitcoin mining as well. So these are topics that have been... Um, prevalent and topical at the moment. Um, we are getting requests from people to talk about these things. And just remember, guys, always go to bitcoinbasics.help and we can ask answer any questions that you have on the air. But for now, I am going to flip over to myself and Chris. We have a brand new podcast. Visit myprivacy.help to subscribe. Did you know you can completely control your personal information without relying on a third party? Ferris, Gordon, and industry experts explain how you can reclaim control of your data, your privacy, your life. Visit myprivacy.help. All right, guys, I'm here with Christopher Pavlesic. Thank you, Chris, very much for joining us. And um, yeah, I was having a look at your LinkedIn profile and you've, you're involved in quite a few Bitcoin projects. But if you don't mind, I'll get you to tell our audience about uh, your Bitcoin origin story. Sure. Thanks. Thanks for having me here, Faris. It's uh, nice to have a chat with you. It's always it's always fun talking Bitcoin. It's it's my passionate uh, hobby, so it's, it's really easy to to talk about. But yeah, I've been uh, loosely involved with Bitcoin since sort of 2012, um, but sort of I don't really kind of take it seriously until about 2016, 2015, 2016. Um, where I, where I, uh, with, with a group of friends, a group of best friends actually started a, a company called Coinstop, um, which, which still operates, um, today as we speak. Um, but it was the, the first hardware wallet reseller in Australia. So we essentially were trying to find ways to secure our bitcoins in 2016 and we came across hardware wallets. Um, there weren't too many options back then, but, um, you know, Trezor and the early, early models of, of the ledger devices were kind of around and, we realized we couldn't find anywhere to buy them. And so that kind of spurred the idea of, hey, maybe there's something here. Maybe there are other people who also are struggling to find these things. Um, maybe we can start a business. And so we kind of did. Um, and that was my sort of foray into the whole entrepreneurial road that I've taken now for the last sort of six six or so years. Um, but that really excited me. We kind of struck gold um, or struck Bitcoin, so to speak. Um, with our timing and, and first mover advantage. And yeah, we learned a lot. 
um, about business, about the market, about a lot of things. Um, as you do when you dive into the deep end, you kind of have to learn to swim pretty quickly. Um, so yeah, that's that really kind of sparked something within me. I think it was what I was sort of looking for throughout my entire life was um, like that to work for myself, to build things, to solve problems. Um, historically, I come from a mechanical engineering background. So I used to work in big factories, running big machines. Um, but yeah, so CoinStop kind of pushed me into it. I, I actually broke my leg um, in, in 2017 um, playing footy when I was living down in Melbourne. And um, it was at that moment I was like, well, I guess I, I can't work because I have a broken leg and I, I've been told to stay off it for nine weeks. Um, all I'm going to do is just invest my entire time um, into CoinStop and, and, you know, seeing where this thing goes. Um, and yeah, I never turned back. I told myself I'd never go back. So I'm, I'm all in at this point. And luckily it's worked out okay. Um, through that, I got involved with the community side of things a lot in Melbourne. So I was running the local Bitcoin meetups uh, in Melbourne for a few years. I then hassled a few people and got a job and an exchange and then kind of have worked everywhere in and around the space um, ever since. Um, wow. So who told you or how did you first learn about Bitcoin? Yeah. Uh, I don't know the exact moment I first learned about Bitcoin. Uh, my memory is pretty bad. <laughs> so um, I'm sure there was, there was something, but uh, I, I have a few memories. Um, obviously like, you know, I, I grew up and was a bit of a sort of open-minded free thinker. Um, maybe you could even say conspiracy theorist, um, just curious mind, I guess. And so I, I, you know, growing up with the internet had, had all this information at your fingertips and, and YouTube and all these sort of things were starting to like really take off and you could, you could acquire sort of any sort of information you wanted about any topics. So I think, uh, just being like open-minded like that and, and curious, um, I was, it was a matter of time before I, I stumbled across Bitcoin. Um, some of my earliest memories, uh, you know, of, of hearing about sort of Silk Road and, and, the use case of Bitcoin through, through early Silk Road days. So, you know, 2011, 2012, um, I thought that was really interesting. Um, but like many people back then, that's, that's all they really knew when it came to Bitcoin. There was no other, no one was looking at it as an investment or, or an asset class. It was just a form of payment on this dark net website place. And so I thought that was kind of interesting and cool and. So I loosely followed that and what happened with Ross and all that sort of stuff over mm. the years. And then I, and that's where there was a bit of a lull. Like I kind of fell out of that and then came back to it in 2016. And so I didn't actually even read the white paper in 2012. Um, it, again, it, the term blockchain or mm. any of these things, I just didn't know. I was just like, oh, cool. It's like PayPal, but it's for the dark net. You know, it's just uh, magic internet money as everyone refers to it. Um, so it wasn't until 2016 where I picked up the white paper and read that and then thought, Oh, wow. <laughs> mm. I wish I'd done that for you sooner. So I had friends that were mining Bitcoin. And so, you know, I'd go to their place and have a look at all their big CPU towers and, and graphics cards and stuff. And would always say, you know, what's going on here? And then they explained to me, Hey, I'm mining Bitcoin. And I actually remember going to a friend's place and he's one of the friends in the group that kind of is always at the forefront of what's happening with computers. He always builds rigs and stuff like that. So it was no surprise he was mining Bitcoin, but we went to his house one time and 
I saw these towers. Like, there's no way you need like ten towers to like play games. Um, he goes, "Nah, I'm mining Bitcoin." And you know, we spent all night talking about it. And mm-hmm. I was so fascinated. I left there and said to all the other friends that were there, who were also you know hearing this for probably the first time, you know, why don't we do something similar? Why don't we like spend a thousand dollars and you know build some mining rigs or buy some mining rigs? Or you know, we didn't know what we were doing. Um, but a thousand dollars to us as eighteen-year-olds um, was a lot of money. <laughs> I was earning eight dollars fifty an hour, three hundred dollars a week as a first-year apprentice. Um, so you know that's three weeks at least of my wages. And back then, you know, you're obviously spending it on petrol and going out and all sorts of stuff. So you're probably not saving a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, you know, that was my near miss of of getting into Bitcoin mining super early. Um, but but I didn't. But you know, others did, and many of us share a similar story um, with near misses. But yeah, uh, that, that those are some of my earliest memories of, of Bitcoin, I think. And I sort of, like I said, took it more seriously a few years down the track in 2015, 2016, when I picked up the white paper, and then you know that opened up a whole new world for me. Oh yeah, Bitcoin is a humble journey to go through. Um, yeah, my journey is very similar to yours, and lucky for me, I had Gordon, um, who unfortunately is not. Uh, he's unavailable today. He comes from a computer science background. So he was able to explain things to me. And I come from an international relations economics background. So that that's where I had my light bulb moment, appreciating Bitcoin from an ec- economics perspective. Um, but it's funny, like when you, when you get your head around the basics for Bitcoin, then you start to think of other things. And you mentioned um, Bitcoin mining. And this is something that our last few episodes have actually been a lot about Bitcoin mining. Because we found that as new people come into this space, they're like, okay, I bought Bitcoin. Now what? And mining is the next thing they want to get into. Um, now, can I mention alpha hash rate? Yeah, I mean, I, my, mining is something I'm very much interested in as well. Um, you know, I shared that story about the near miss almost 10 years ago. And here, here I am now trying to work on on a startup for Bitcoin mining. You know, it's a little bit of a full circle journey. Um, but yeah, I think it's an extremely fascinating um, aspect of Bitcoin, and, and there are, of course, many. But Bitcoin mining and and the proof of work algorithm is is one of the the key pieces of the puzzle, um, and has taken me better part of ten years to to get to this level of understanding. And and I'm by no means a Bitcoin mining expert. I'm just like many Bitcoiners, curious and and read about it and listen to to podcasts about the topics and speak with other Bitcoiners about them. Um, but yeah, alpha hash rate is, is, is kind of, so it's a startup of mine that, I, that I um, sort of started working on last year. Um, <clears throat> almost, almost about 12 months ago, actually, maybe about 10 months ago. Um, the idea being I wanted to get back into Bitcoin mining, um, but I didn't particularly have all of the resources and infrastructure required to sort of, I guess, be somewhat competitive. Um, so I was looking for like a hosting type service where I could mm-hmm. basically have it all handled for me. Um, and there aren't too many in Australia. Um, the, the big one many people know is probably like Compass Mining. Um, they've been quite popular over the last couple of years. And, and I came across them and thought, hmm, this is interesting. I, I, I like their model. I like the idea. Um, it was exactly the service I was looking for. To be completely honest with you, mm-hmm. um, but but I, I I saw some little bits of things that I didn't quite like, and so I I never pulled the trigger on it. And I had friends who have, and and now I regret that. Um, 
So I'm glad I, I dodged that bullet. And that's, I think, one of the skills I've developed over the years is being able to kind of know when to deploy and when not to deploy uh, if something is a bit sus or doesn't quite fit my, I guess, checklist of things before I uh, I get interested in something. So I luckily avoided that. But I did. I do like the model. And so I, I, I thought about it for a while and, and looked around and there wasn't really anyone doing anything like it in Australia. So I thought, okay, that does that was one of the problems I, I didn't like was the fact that you know, my hardware and my hash rate wasn't, you know, geographically close to me and in places where I couldn't access, I had no control over. So that's why I wanted something in Australia. And yeah, turns out it doesn't particularly exist. Um, not exactly that in that fashion, at least. So I thought, all right, here we are again, <laughs> trying to solve my own problems. Uh, like, like I did with Coinstock, buying the hardware wallets or not being able to buy hardware wallets and then and starting a company. I thought, oh, maybe there's something here. Um, so yeah, I start, started working on it. I had some interesting contacts in the industry. A friend of mine runs um, some energy stuff um, here in Australia, over in South Australia, and um, he kind of knows his infrastructure and, he, and his uh, energy very well. Um, and I know Bitcoin quite well, mm-hmm. I think, reasonably well at least. Um, I've been selling Bitcoin stuff for you know the better part of six years now, so kind of know the market a little bit, at least I hope to. Um, so I thought maybe... I can convince him there might be something there. So we started working on something, but then last year, long story short, the the winter was horrible here in Australia. Um, energy prices went up across the board mm-hmm. everywhere. Um, volatility just it was nuts. It was the worst time possible to to try to start a, a Bitcoin mining company. Um, mm. But you know some of some of the groundwork has been laid. Um, so it, it's not as if it's been completely abandoned. Um, I've just got my hands in other pies at the moment. So. Yeah, the whole thing with the energy prices and then me kind of getting involved with some other startups um, meant that this kind of has taken a back seat. But um, yeah, I haven't closed the door completely on it because Bitcoin mining is, I still want to be able to do it, right? I still have that problem I need to solve. Um, so I'll just have to figure out when I can get around to doing that. Well, look, that is the next, um, I'd say, trend to happen. Um, Bitcoin miners have been squeezed in this last bear market. Um, They're over leveraged. Uh, um, from what from what I've heard, um, but no, we interviewed two founders of two different companies, um, uh, SAS Mining, and the other is a Mining Future. And SAS Mining is based in the United States, where they grab the methane coming out of oil rigs and using that methane to mine Bitcoin. Uh, the Mining Future; these are a couple of guys that are looking for cheap electricity around the world. So they've got miners based in. Dubai, Argentina, several other places. Um, but same thing. People would just go, I want to mine Bitcoin, but yeah, I don't want to, you know, grab a couple of uh, asset miners connecting myself. So I really do think there's a need for that business, uh, that business model. But yeah, it's hard work for a person launching it. It is. Yeah. And, and I get excited and, you know, often find myself doing too many things. So sometimes yeah. I, I have to be a little bit reasonable in my approach. I only have so many hours in the day. Um, but yeah, you, you touched on some of the problems for sure. Like, uh, you know, you get an ASIC, an ASIC and plug it in a home and okay, maybe you know how to configure it and get it up and running after watching some guides or whatever and spending a few, few hours tinkering. But then you got to deal with the heat. You've got to deal with the noise. Uh, it's always got to be up, you know, like it's not mm-hmm. just a, a plug and play. It's not, um, like a, like a home modem or something like that. You know, it does, does require some level of, um, maintenance and upkeep. And yeah, the, the 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 thing that kills it for a lot of people for for residential mining, um, 
is just the is the noise and the heat. Mm. Like it's just it's unbearable. If you've ever heard an ASIC miner, mm. if you don't have a basement or a garage or somewhere where you can either soundproof it or or just physically move the noise away from you, um, you're not gonna have a very happy life having to live with that noise. So one of the one of the things that we wanted to do with with Alpha Hash Rate was was move into immersion mining. And so mm. um that was that, that's the kind of the specialty, so to speak, that, that we're looking to tap into is, you know, I, I believe that immersion mining is is kind of the way forward. Um, so when you say immersion, is that immersion in water, so you mean? Well, not water because water and electricity are not things that mm. mix well, but it is a non-conductive oil um, that, okay. you, that you physically dunk the ASICs in. Um, so this is what we're working on building building containers with with custom tanks that can fit up to like 52 ASIC machines fully wow. dunked under this non-conductive oil and the non-conductive oil is just recycled through it through a, uh, a cooling element um and then the the oil's gone back in so it's it's it, it basically regulates the, the the ASICs um much more comfortably and um safely it, it just mm. Because heat is the big, the big thing, right? Like heat, yeah. heat is what deteriorates the the chips and the cards, and and that's what causes the problems. Um, so you remove the heat um, by dunking it in this oil that you can uh, do a better job at uh, r- removing wow. that heat and extracting it. But then you also don't get dust collection. Um, that's another one of the big problems. And these big mm-hmm. factories is just you're blowing all this stuff around, and and dust goes everywhere. So that's not a, a good mix either. Um, so it solves that problem, and then lastly, the the noise. Um, mm. When you when you stick them under a, a in in a tank with oil, um, there's no requirement for the fan anymore, and the fan is what produces largely all of the noise, right? Because the fans are used to cool the chips, so they don't overheat. So if you remove the fan and dunk it in the oil, then you've removed the noise. So um, it's kind of a win 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 across the board, in my opinion. Um, but it, it's a bit newer, and, and mm. not as many people are doing it. But I, you know, you see with the manufacturers, they're kind of building in liquid cooling to their machines now instead of fans. Uh, and we've seen this with with gaming PCs and, and workstations have liquid cooled options, fan cooled options. And you know, I'm sure there are people that sit in both camps of those. Um, but yeah, I think I think immersion mining um, has has its benefits. Um, and right now, there isn't really anyone offering sort of a mm-hmm a B2C solution for someone that wants to take advantage of immersion mining, but doesn't have the technical know-how to create a tank or to dip this thing in some non-conductive oil. And, you know, it's the specialty uh, skills. Um, So that was kind of what what I was working on. Uh, And I I would still like to kind of get back to it, like I mentioned, but yeah, Yeah. right now I'm way too busy with other things, which I'm sure we'll touch on shortly. I think this is actually the, um, the problem for uh, Bitcoiners now, because when you first get into Bitcoin, um, you're learning about everything. Um, and we actually tell people who are first learning about Bitcoin, you want to invest in Bitcoin. You don't need to know the intricacies about mining. And I compare it to getting on a plane. You know the basics of how a plane works. But would you only get on a plane if you understood how, you know, open up the hood and look in there. And if you don't understand what's going on, you still fly. So I kind of say the same thing about mining is we'll talk about mining. You don't need to understand mining to buy Bitcoin, but it's great that in the industry now that when you first get into Bitcoin, you kind of have to learn about all this kind of stuff, but now you can actually devote a full-time career to one aspect. Or I'm going to set up a cold storage device 
that's a full-time business. I'm going to set up a Bitcoin mining company. That's a full-time business. Um, it's great that we're now seeing these industries um, start and bloom around Bitcoin. And yeah, that that's ideas I think is a really good one. Um, and I think you'd have a lot of people keen to invest because this is what we found is people go, I want to invest in Bitcoin mining, but for all the problems you just had, they don't have it in their own home. Yeah. I, 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 like I said, I, I'm not especially unique. So I think largely most of the problems I come across, mm-hmm. other people face too. Again, like the CoinStop, you know, we, we yeah. wanted a hardware wallet, turned out thousands of other Aussies wanted hardware wallets and we made a business from it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm using myself as like a, a case study of mm-hmm. the average, you know, consumer. Um, so to speak, obviously the, the, the range varies, but. You know, when I when I think, oh, okay, this this problem exists for me. I'm not that special. I'm pretty average. Um, so there must be other people that also suffer from this problem. Let me What's let me see first, if I can figure out a problem. Yeah, that's the first sign they say to of a bit new business venture. If you're feeling frustrated, someone else somewhere is so find a solution for them. Yeah. Oh, and you, yeah. You first you look to the market. Does anyone else solve it? And mm. and I looked and. There was a few, but no one in Australia. And so I thought, okay, well, n- now I can probably work on an idea here and maybe it's got some legs. Hopefully, yeah, like I said, hopefully I can get back to it because I do think uh, other people probably would would find value from such such a service. But yeah, now, like I wanna, you said, it's a full-time job. <laughs> I want to bring this up before I forget. The reason I actually got in touch with you was because um, you are organizing a Bitcoin conference in Australia. Is that right? Yeah, which is also a full-time job. <laughs> Oh yeah. I've done, yeah, I've done events that event management. Oh man. Yeah. All right. I so had tell not, us about well, that. Nothing, nothing of this scale before. Like I've, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I've, I've run some meetups and stuff like that over the years, mm-hmm. pretty much in all of the States that I've lived in. So I've been sort of going up and around the East coast of Australia over the last six or seven years, living in Victoria, living in Queensland, and now back in New South Wales. Um, I've, you know, I've been involved with the meetup community in, in each of those places. And if they haven't, existed then i've built it myself and started a meetup um but yeah you know a meetup is is very different to a full-blown conference um it's a you know several steps up um but again you know i i've been to a lot of bitcoin conferences well perhaps not a lot but a few um Mm -hmm. and they've all been overseas so and and that's great i love traveling um it's fantastic to go experience new cultures and meet new people um but, you know, at the end of the day, I'd love to go to a Bitcoin conference in Australia once a year as well. You know, mm. last couple of years, I've had to fly to the States or fly to um, El Salvador or Europe mm. to be able to get a Bitcoin conference fix. There just isn't anything in this entire region. Um, yes, oh, I was, crypto, yeah. blockchain, there's all these other conferences, but I'm talking specifically Bitcoin and Bitcoin yeah. only. Those, I was those setting one up in New up. Zealand. Yeah, I was setting one okay. up in New Zealand, and then COVID happened. I had to cancel the whole thing. I had speakers and everything lined up, and so I know, yeah, I know that where from. Uh, yeah, it's a hell of a lot of work, and so we started oh, yeah. on this idea, um, sort of around I think August September last year. Um, mm-hmm. There was some some sort of discussions as they happen in in these Telegram groups, um, in a Bitcoin Sydney group here, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, we kind of branched off and continued the discussion, and then turns out. You know, there's a couple of us left standing at the end of it that were that were kind of serious about actually mm. putting this on, or at least going to the next level of seriousness, whatever that looked at looked like back then. Yep. 
Um, yeah, 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 here we are, six months on. We're we're twenty six days, I think, away from the conference. Um, it's been an enormous amount of work um, involved, but so give like us some of the, the details for people who want to who want to join in, who want to come. Where can they buy tickets? What's the conference called? Where's it being hosted? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So the conference is called Bitcoin Alive. Um, all the information can be found on our website, www.bitcoinalive.io. Um, you can also follow us on the socials. We're most active, I'd say, probably on Twitter, but we cross posts on Facebook and Instagram as well for anyone on those platforms. But um, yeah, essentially, like I was saying earlier, I was kind of getting over going to the Northern Hemisphere every year just to get the Bitcoin conference fixed. So um, looked around, doesn't exist. There's lots of great meetups in pretty much all of the major capital cities of Australia. And I've been to pretty much all of them and, mm-hmm. and they're great, but you know, they, they don't scale up. They get 30, a hundred people at them. And over the course mm-hmm. of 12 months, maybe you'll see, you know, 20 or 30% of the Bitcoiners that are going around and presenting in the country. Um, but you know, no one's bringing all that energy together in one room over one day or two days. And, and seeing what happens. So that's kind of the first uh, mission is just bring all of the Bitcoiners in this country mm. together in the same room at the same time to see what happens. Cause it's never happened before. We're always, we're, we're so yeah. wide. I mean, that's it's kind of the nature of Australia. We're a big country. Um, so what happens in Perth doesn't really get mm. discussed in Melbourne. I mean, not even like Sydney and Melbourne, like they're, they're, they're very much independent communities and that's great. But um, we they're and they're all great in their own right. But wouldn't it be great to have them all come together as well once a year? So um, that's our first goal is just to do that because I think that alone will be amazing for the several hundreds of Bitcoiners that that come. Mm-hmm. Um, nowhere before have you been able to get this level of quality Bitcoiners um, in the same place talking about their specific um, expertise in Bitcoin. So. It's going to be fantastic from that regard. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. And what I've realized through putting this on is we've got a lot of really good Bitcoin talent in Australia. Um, Like I knew we did, but when I actually got into the, into the weeds of who we're going to get for speakers, where are they going to come from? You know, I was like hearing about people. I thought I knew everyone like I've, you know, been around for a while, not in sort of a egotistical way. Like I'm not Mm. special at all, but like, it's a small country. It's a small community. I, I thought, didn't think I'd be finding out that the like head of lightning at Blockstream lives in a, in the country. Uh, like I had no idea that 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 happened. And yeah. here we are, like finding out there's like a multiple of these like really high level developers living in our own backyard, building like some of the most you know cutting edge stuff when it comes to Bitcoin. And it's just yeah, like oh, okay, tall, wow, that tall poppy syndrome in Australia it doesn't do it many favors. <laughs> so yeah it's it's been humbling in that regard and, and i'm i'm really excited to to be able to put this together um because i think again i'm not unique i'm sure other bitcoiners are also wanting to get together and and chat about bitcoin because we're all crazy about this thing and mm. we love talking about it so i'm, I'm hoping everyone's going to have an amazing time um, we put a lot of work into into the schedule into the content into making sure that you know it it fits the Bitcoin ethos as much as it can. You know, we've all been to conferences before where there's scams and all sorts of nonsense being promoted. And, you know, we've made a very uh, 
conservative effort to ensure that that doesn't get in to our conference. Um, if you want that, you can find those places where you can get your fixes on those things, but we want to focus on the, on the, on the signal. And so we've chosen to remove the noise and, and, you know, the noise is all those crypto folk and shit coiners and blockchainers and web threeers and all those people. Um, those discussions can take place elsewhere. We want to just solely focus on Bitcoin, like yourself, like you said yourself, mm-hmm. is a full-time job. And that, you know, that's just one aspect of it, whether it's mining and in energy infrastructure or if it's payments and merchant adoption. Like you could spend yeah. hours talking about each of those things. Yeah. So we don't have time to be talking about smart contracts and DeFi. And if that stuff is of useful usefulness, it will probably be built on Bitcoin. And then we can talk about yeah. it at that point, right? Um, until then, oh, I, I kind of look at it largely like an experiment. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of things will fail and crumble and burn. Perhaps a couple of good ideas will, will, will come to the forefront of that. And if they're good, they'll probably be built on Bitcoin. Oh, you're talking to the, uh, the preaching to choir here. Our Bitcoin audience knows that in our 200 plus episodes, we've been Bitcoin only. And yeah, we've never plugged anything else. Um, so Bitcoin Alive, Saturday, 15th of April in Sydney, yep. right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, cool. And still tickets available. Tickets are available. Yep. We're on to second release tickets now. They'll be available right up until the event. Um, obviously the sooner, sooner you grab a ticket, the, the cheaper it will be. There's, there's one more price rise between now and the event. Um, and you know, we'll communicate that. So everyone, um, knows well in advance. Um, excuse me, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, April 15th, um, full day event. Um, we'll, we'll, the doors will open around about nine 30 content will start about 10. We'll have a main stage, a side stage, an exhibitor area, a beer garden. It's a beautiful, beautiful venue. Um, like I said, this, this is a several steps above your, your local Bitcoin meetup at an RSL or a, yeah. a, a pub or something. And, you know, those are good and those have their place. Um, and, and we want to be able to find a place for something like this where we have slightly, you know, a bit more, um, I don't want to say professional because we're Bitcoiners, <laughs> but like organized, <laughs> I guess is perhaps yeah. a better word, but you know, we, we've got, we're going to have like, you know, full AV and it's a really nice venue and it's, you know, people are paying for this. So we want to make sure it's of high quality. And that's why we've put together Fantastic. this, this program that, like I said, I don't think anyone's ever seen anything like this in the country. Um, you could probably go to every meetup around the country and over co- co- course of 12 months and not get this level of content. Um, you know, and, and this can be done in, in six hours in one place without having to really get up. So, um, anyone looking to learn about Bitcoin, this would be the place to do it. Um, you're not going to learn everything in one day. Of course, we've all spent hundreds, if not thousands of hours, um, diving into this and we still probably don't know that much. Uh, I'm talking yeah. about myself largely here. <laughs> I've spent tens of thousands of hours and I'm still learning. Um, but this will be a, a, an awesome boost for anyone who's curious or anyone mm. that perhaps hasn't had the time because you can't fabricate time, you know, like you just have to go through it and and live it and and do the hours and do the, I, you know, I call it the tuition fee, the, the, the time and energy spent learning about Bitcoin um, you just have to do it if you if you want to understand it completely. In the future, there'll be people that won't need to because they'll just use mm. the apps and the and the front ends of everything, and like they do with the internet these days. Like like you were saying, no one knows how a plane works, no one knows how the internet works. It just does work, and yeah. they interact with it 
through email and websites and all sorts yeah. of stuff. Um, Bitcoin will, will probably have that point in time where it just works and uh, no one's yeah, thinking then, about yeah. it. The Lindy network effect will get there where people will just buy it on an app and not, not even know about it. I mean, we started a Bitcoin education company and, um, yeah, we would have made fortunes if we just launched an ICO in 2017 or if we, you know, if we just help people with trading shit coins, but not we want to be long term education. And, um, you have to learn about so much to learn about Bitcoin. You have to appreciate macroeconomics. You have to appreciate, um, cryptography, computer engineering and, yeah, like you said, I mean, I spent four hours a day for months, months, probably a year and a half, actually, before I could explain Bitcoin to someone in under 10 minutes. And even then you struggle. Uh, yeah, it's 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 quite the rabbit hole to go down. Mm. Um, yeah, a lot of people kind of perhaps have this real high level surface view of what they think Bitcoin is. Oh, it's money or it's investment mm. or something like that. You can like stocks or something. But like once you like go below the ground and you realize where all the roots go. Like there's so many facets that mm. like you touched on. Yeah. You know, I, I'd add a number more like mathematics, psychology, thermodynamics. Like yeah. there's a lot of things, Bitcoin, uh, a lot of disciplines Bitcoin uh, touches on and yeah, there's mm. no way you can expect someone to understand them all. But well, like another... uh, if there are parts that are fascinating to you, then those are the areas that you should spend your time. So if you're, if you're interested in making money, then, mm look at it as an investment but you know if you're interested yeah. in freedom then there's certainly ways that that bitcoin can be used as a freedom tool so like really kind of have to morph it to whatever whatever suits your personality and your interests yeah. well one of those rabbit holes that you mentioned um which we've actually had to launch a separate podcast devoted to this and it's something i know you're involved in is online security and privacy um, we've had to launch the myprivacy.help podcast because we just found some people getting into Bitcoin are going, what's next? They want to mine Bitcoin, but then they're like, oh, hang on. But what about my online data, online privacy? Uh, tell me about the, sorry, am I getting this right? The OPTF foundation? Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is correct. Um, I actually no longer work there. That was a, that was a previous startup. Um, but yeah, the OPTF is basically a non for profit foundation that I started in 2018 um, devoted to building privacy focused software. Um, so that's like definitely another part, another thing that I'm interested in. Uh, so obviously security doing with what I do with CoinStop, um, but privacy um, is something I think is, is really important as well, especially digital privacy. Um, there's a kind of a people respect physical privacy largely. Um, you know, if you close the door at the toilet, no one sort of, peeks underneath or um, sticks their head over the top and said, Oh, what are you doing in there? Like they, they respect when they see the doors engaged that that means people want to do something private. But the minute you sort of take that online, it's as if that sort of level of um, understanding and respect gets thrown out the window. Um, you know, if you say, Hey, I just want to browse the internet privately, you're just automatically branded as some sort of criminal or you've got something to hide or, you're doing something wrong. It's just weird how like we've, we've, we've worked this uh, relationship physically, but we haven't figured mm -hmm. it out digitally yet. Um, and so, a, yeah, I, I, I've been basically trying to educate people about privacy and, and help build privacy tools um, that, that, that help that too. But um, yeah, I no longer work at the OPTF um, as of sort of last year. 
I, I stepped away from that project and, and moved on to different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, something definitely very close to my heart is, is digital privacy and making sure people, I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand, especially if you're, you're taking control of your, your financial, yeah. um, with Bitcoin by, you know, holding your own keys and, and all that sort of stuff, which is what I highly advocate for, then, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you should really be sort of doing as much as you can, or at least thinking about your, your digital identity footprint as well. Yeah. Um, and, I'll you know, it's talk, yeah. talked a little bit about in the white paper, you know, there's a, there's a, mm-hmm. there's a section on privacy. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things that people typically don't care about until it's too late. So, you know, there's been some great recent examples, probably um, the most notable one, maybe the Optus hack of mm-hmm. the last few months. You know, everyone was up in arms when their data was taken and stolen and, and sold and whatnot. But, you know, the day before, no one cared that Optus had all their yeah. data. So, like, what what changed? <laughs> well, they got wrecked. And and so that that woke everyone up. But, you know, this is happening at every single company essentially every service that you've probably signed up for online you've given your mobile number your id your name your email address your residential Mm -hmm. address i actually you know i'm quite passionate about this stuff and and i actually think kyc does more harm than good um i actually think it's it's a net negative um you know that and and these optus hacks are, are perfect examples of of asking telecommunication companies to become security experts and then and then going and then finding them when they when they fail to be that well you know that's not their core business their core business is not keeping people's data mm-hmm. secure and 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 not leaking them um their core business is selling telecommunication products and services so you know and this is just one example you think of anywhere now that you've that you've signed up to you've given them some form of id is yeah. their core business to keep that ID secure? Well, probably not unless it's a security company itself, which there are a few of. And even then, you know, many even of them then. still get hacked. <laughs> so oh, I, I remember you know, seeing a tweet. This is obviously a few years ago before he passed away, but John McAfee tweeted, I've been hacked. <laughs> <laughs> he is a bit of a lunatic towards the end there, but, you know, um, very successful with what he did with, you know, McCaffrey yeah. antivirus and whatnot. But um you know, it's, 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 these events are eye openers for people and go, Oh, maybe I should take it a bit more seriously because I didn't realize, you know, calling, calling the Optus thing a hack is almost glorifying it as well. They literally oh, left the back yeah, door open. It was. Yeah. Like, oh, it was we, like we had an episode I mean, about it just in that. It was insane. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty no, terrible. No, I like your analogy of the toilet door. That's one we've used before. And, um, yeah, like you say, people have this, Oh, it's just too hard. Um, it's just too hard for me to do something about. So this is what we're we're trying to do: simplify things. Where we show people, um, or not show them, but actually help them set up a VPS, um, and we're even helping people set up graphene on their iPhone, on phones, smartphones, so stuff like that. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where you need the will to do it first. Hundred um, percent. You you, yeah. you need to. It needs to be your decision that like yeah. I am doing this. If you if someone's yeah. shoving down graphene in your throat. You just be like, oh, this is yeah. too hard. Like yeah. you got to know that there's going to probably be some some shortcomings compared to your previous experience using perhaps like a Google phone or an iPhone or something. But yeah. you know, you you you're doing it with a like with a specific reason, right? To increase yeah. your privacy and secure your data. So you, 
I, I use this other analogy. It's it's like a sliding scale of um, convenience at one end and security at the other. And it's yeah. up to you to determine where you want to, to position yourself on that scale. So if you want your life to be uh, completely convenient, then mm. you slide it all the way down to the convenience level and, you know, you sign in with Google, you Facebook log into everything, yeah. you know, you, you, you you just you're just a slave to every to every of the services right but you yeah. know your data is just being completely siphoned out to the whole internet and it, once it's on there it's it's almost impossible to unwind oh, but yeah. you know no, we've most people times, yeah. i think most yeah. people if if shown like that is that one end of the spectrum they'd yeah. go oh i'd probably want to move a little bit closer towards the secure end of the spectrum mm. you know if you go all the way to the other yeah. end then it's 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 crazy. It's like you you don't have any internet connected devices. Everything is analog. Mm. You know, like it's it's Ten perhaps no half. way to live. Yeah, it's perhaps no way to live for yeah. for most people. So you've got to find that sweet spot for you. I yeah. can't determine that for you. Like that's maybe, a good way maybe, of putting it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe you you enjoy the fact that you can share photos mm. with your fan, friends and family on Facebook very conveniently because everyone's got kids and it's so mm. you're willing to make that that sacrifice by providing them with your data. Because you know, as they say, if, if you're not paying for the product, then you are the product. Mm. And, and yeah. Facebook is a great example of that, where you're yeah. not paying for it, so you are very much the product, and you and you're being advertised to, and you're being bidded off to, mm. you know, the the highest bidder. Um, but I you know, people people don't really know this, I think, as well. I think people are starting to wake up little by little, and it's funny to me, like government policies since 2018, um, 2008. Sorry have been the biggest promoters for Bitcoin. And we saw what happened in Canada a couple of years ago. Um, I was listening on the radio today that 171 banks around the world have um, gone bust in the last two weeks. So all the things I'm reading are positive for Bitcoin. And and the same thing with Optus, Metabank Private, all the stuff, even LastPass, uh, all the stuff happening there is positive for um, online security and privacy. So I think people are going, okay, this is what they're doing. Where do I go to now? And it will be um, sovereign, f- f- um, the sovereign individual, which encompasses financial sovereignty and the digital footprint so- sovereignty as well. So, yeah, I think it's it's the very beginning of, of um, this, a, a decentralized society. Yeah, I mean, and, and you're spot on. Like each each time these sort of big flash events happen, it wakes up a few people, it gets them... Mm sort of kicked into gear and starting to think about, oh, okay, maybe I should be protecting myself against X, Y, and Z. Mm. You know, at some point it's going to be the big catastrophic, everyone suffers. Lots of people think maybe it's soon. I don't know. Like, I don't want to be pessimistic. I've been thinking that it's going to be catastrophic for about five years. And it, 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 whilst you look around and it's pretty bad, like you touched on a hundred plus banks closing, you know, there's people making some outrageous claims at the moment that maybe this is the the final sort of yeah. the final and- blow for the for the US dollar or or for that the fiat type standard. Um, I've been listening to the Bitcoin Standard again. Um, great book. Mm. Um, yep. Highly recommend anyone that's interested in the history of it all to mm. have have a listen to that or have a read. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome stuff in there. But you know, like maybe 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 it's going to happen. I've always been under the impression that's probably going to be in my lifetime. So, you know, I could still be 60 years away and still be in my mm. lifetime if I'm, if I'm living to that age, but um, yeah, it's not looking good at the moment. That's for sure. And you're right. It's, 
it's very much all free advertising for Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, if you if you recall where where Satoshi started it all, um, you know, writing that message in in block one, um, yeah, about the New York Times, two thousand eight bank run, bank collapse. And we are fifteen years later. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, oh my God, you, yeah. you know, you, it couldn't be more the same, uh, if not 10 times worse, perhaps. Yeah. Um, and, and Bitcoin's still here. It's still doing the exact same thing that it did almost 15 years ago. Yeah. Whenever so, I do a Bitcoin talk, I always bring that up, the, um, exchequer, uh, headline. And, and to me, Bitcoin is, yeah, there's nothing more powerful than an idea whose time has come. Yep. Yeah, so it's, the, it's when Bitcoin was released to me is just as important as what Bitcoin is. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful. I don't even know what to call it. Like I always say, like I'm not into like fine art or anything like that. But I imagine, you mm. know, someone who's perhaps lived their entire life devoted to fine pieces of historical art that when they, you know, go to the Louvre for the first time and and mm. visit, and they, you know, they have this overwhelming just emotional like oh it's so beautiful and everything that i've worked for and that's kind of how i feel when i think about bitcoin like it's just it's incredible it's like the most beautiful creature and i and this is part of the reason why we named bitcoin alive bitcoin alive is because i have Mm. this and i'm not the only one but you know i I often think about bitcoin being this living breathing Mm. creature this organism and there's some great writings from people much smarter than me talking about this in, in greater depths. Mm. But um, you know, it, it really does show quite similar uh, similarities to like biology. You, you know, mm. you look around and you you see all the beautiful biology, and, and you subscribe to sort of natural selection. I mm. I kind of see a lot of similarities and traits shared between the two ideas. And so Bitcoin's had literally everything thrown at it over the yeah. course of 15 years, like governments trying to ban it, yeah. everyone, the media, like investment professionals saying it's a scam, just you name it. It's had everything yeah. thrown at it. And where yeah. is it today? It's as strong as ever. It's not yeah. just hanging on or like sort of relevant. It's literally as strong yeah. as ever. Hash rate is through the roof. Yeah. It's like shining at the time that it's meant to be shining. Like mm. it's, it's living and breathing. It, it's like no matter what anyone does, literally anyone, it cannot yep. be stopped. Yeah. I can't stop it. You can't stop it. It would take, I guess, everyone getting together to stop it. Uh, but like humans haven't gotten along for a long time. So I can't see he's ever getting together to, to agree. No, on it's, it, but yeah, the, it's one beautiful. of the reasons I love it, it is, it is beautiful. And I've spoken about this before where, yeah, there's so much to appreciate about Bitcoin. And what you touched on earlier was, um, it is the, to me, probably the last, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The last deep plugging that we need in society. Cause we had the, we needed the separation of church and state happened in the 17th century, um, yep. separation of church and state that took place, but then we had wealth could only be created by a few. So, uh, when during the industrial revolution, um, the English allowed anyone to buy land, you used to not be able to buy land. There was anyone could buy real estate that created the middle class. And now we still have this thing where money is still controlled by the elite and the wealthy. The decisions that they're making do not impact them, but they impact everyone else. And yeah, uh, you know, I, we're seeing, I agree. The separation yeah. of money from state is very exactly. much the battle. The battle. That's of what it is. Times. Yeah. So to me, this is 
the last thing towards freedom of capitalism. Capitalism is not a bad thing. We've just never actually seen it tried because cronyism gets in the way. Um, so the, to me, this is probably the last thing towards a free and open society is separating the money and allowing it to be free and equitable. So that, that's where Bitcoin comes in. And like you say, it can, it can be stopped at this stage. Nothing even comes close. Like, yeah. you know, there are 20, 30,000 other cryptocurrencies and they're, they're not even yeah. in the same discussion. Like no. there's yeah. like the big leagues and then there's like your, your weekend um, children's sport. And that's yeah. what they're all playing. And and Bitcoin's well, in the big we've leagues. Said this, we've said this before. Check the coin market cap every two years. Which coins are still up there? Maybe one, maybe Ethereum and Ripple. And Ripple's just a spreadsheet that's about to collapse. Ethereum's going to collapse at any point. All the others keep cycling through. They can't even stay yeah. in the top 10. So, yeah. Very much so, yeah. I've, I've yeah. been around a few, a few cycles now. And, um, yeah, you, you see the top yeah. 10s and they, they always – switching and changing with whatever the new flavor yep. of the month is it's just yeah, yeah I've, I've gotten sick of it all and kind <laughs> of that's why i'm like very very sharply focused on bitcoin now because mm-hmm. you know after 10 years of me going around the circus and checking out all the amusements like i come oh. back and bitcoin's still there offering yeah. the same thing yeah. and it's just like okay cool like this is the thing that can be trusted and is yeah. of value in in amongst all the all the colors and loud noises yeah, on the same. Yeah, Gordon keeps saying Bitcoin is slow and boring, but it's slow and boring by design. Uh, yeah. that's, that's a statement for people that have been in the Bitcoin space and understand it for a while. For anyone new, it's still pretty exciting and nerve wracking. But uh, I think if you if you compare it to like sort of all the shit coinery, then yes, it's slow, yeah. slow and boring. But if you compare it to essentially any other piece of technology, mm-hmm. it's still exceptionally fast. Oh, so yeah. a lot of people like kind of either weren't around or or have forgotten or perhaps not mm. had this reflection but you know we only have to go back to say 2017 2018 that was a that was a big cycle mm. um you know price of bitcoin got to nearly $20,000 USD mm. people were just absolutely going berserk yeah. i had friends on mainstream tv talking about it like it it blew up we were selling mm. wallets left right and center it was nuts it was a crazy crazy time yeah. um yeah the block wars, the New York agreement with Segway, all that stuff going on. I, I remember being, the price was going up, being nervous as hell, because I'm listening to all these insiders going on, you know, what's going to happen when Bitcoin forks, Bitcoin cash comes in, and the price was going up. And but I was just nervous as hell, thinking, oh, what's what's all this going to do? So, yeah. Well, well, to to finish off that point, sorry, I was just uh, <laughs> had something yeah, in my throat. I was before. covering for you. Um, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, the you know, the, the big criticism of that era, I guess, um, was Bitcoin's too slow. It doesn't scale. Mm. And, and you, you touched on the block wars and that, that was certainly one of the big events as well. But, you know, that kind of blew the bubble, you know, like people like, it's not ready. It's, you know, there are all these ICOs promising the world, but mm. they just had come out of nowhere and like no one had ever, have ever built any of any of these ideas. It was just purely on paper, literally on, on paper. Yeah. Um, but you know all those criticisms from from 2017 18 of bitcoin being too slow and not being able to scale and the price uh, the the um transaction fees going through the roof you know mm-hmm. they were $50 plus for a transaction fee you know unheard of just terrible you know but here we are like fast forward 3 4 mm-hmm. 5 years later not even and all of those problems have been solved yeah. like the lightning network has literally solved yeah. all those problems 
And oh, we, um, if you want to transact, yeah. you can transact for almost yeah. free. Like it's, yeah. and no one's making that reflection. Like, okay, all that criticism, you know, and that's four years ago. Like yeah. we're talking about slow and boring four years ago, like the world's most secure network was, you know, attacked on by not being scalable. And here we are fast forward. Mm. It solved those problems and everyone's not impressed. Like, why are we <laughs> impressed? Like, this is incredible. Like it literally yeah. fixed it. And, and you could say that perhaps it's also solved some privacy issues with Bitcoin yeah. as well through the lightning chat. Like we don't even know, like the lightning network still has a lot more to, to come, mm. I think too, but uh, it's just, it, people are just kind of, here's your new shiny toy, play with it. You get bored yeah. after a week and then they need the next shiny toy. And, and that's, I guess what all the crypto nonsense is, is like, it's just shiny new toys to keep people's short attention spans um, exercised yeah. where whilst you know bitcoiners have a very low time preference and are thinking far beyond their years um it's it's two different two different like i was saying it's two different sports um we're not solving the same problem bitcoin is trying to separate money from state and shit coins i don't even know what they're doing i think they're trying to separate money from consumers or like <laughs> that's, that's all that tends <laughs> that's all that tends to happen right like these yeah. things get rubbed these dumped. things get pump and dumps they get yeah. scammed exit scams like that's that's all that happens like literally every day i'm not even like exaggerating like every day there is one of these things happening it's it's absolutely insanity but it continues because a few people make money and then you know they sell that idea to the next person they go oh maybe i can also make money and like it's just it's just gambling and you know i guess you know we do have quite a problem with gambling in australia so it's so it shouldn't be in any surprise Mm -hmm. Um, we're coming up on an hour now here, Chris. Now, can you just plug the conference one more time, please, where people can go? And also, please tell our audience members where they can follow you, where they can find you. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, April 15th um, in Sydney at the University of New South Wales Roundhouse. Um, Bitcoin Alive, you can you can get all the information and stay up to date with any of the announcements of the program, the new speakers, the sponsors, et cetera, on our website, www.bitcoinalive.io. You can also find us on social media. I think it's Bitcoin Alive on basically all of them um, or just use the search function and you'll come across our branding and our, our logo. Um, if you're interested in staying in touch with myself, um, I'm largely on Twitter. Um, if you want to get in touch with me there, you can reach out to my handle, which is Lungdoge, L-U-N-G-D-O-G-E. And no, I'm not interested in Dogecoin. Um, that handles uh in in relation to my now deceased uh greyhound who was a long doge and i couldn't get long so i had to get long um because someone else had the handle <laughs> but yeah a lot of people i, I realize being in this industry people will probably think that i'm like some sort of dogecoin enthusiast so that i can confirm i am not <laughs> um but yeah if you're interested in, in in reaching out please do so there you'll probably find me there um yeah i i mean look it's going to be an amazing event. Like mm. I'm saying, there's going to be something for everyone. It's not just, you know, a really high, highly skilled expertise, you know, super nerd event. If you are a beginner, um, there is very much lots of content curated um, towards beginners. Mm. Um, what we found is a lot of people, especially the Bitcoiners, they don't really even care about the content. They just want to get together with other Bitcoiners and chat. Yeah. Like when I go to conferences, I, 
mostly don't watch much of the content unless there's someone I'm specifically looking out for. Uh, but I'm not sitting there for eight hours on end. Like I'm going to meet other Bitcoiners. And that's where the magic happens, the socializing and all that sort of aspect. So mm. a lot of the content is actually aimed towards um, the, the newer crowd. That's fantastic. Um, but of course, cool. there will be content yeah. aimed at everyone. Like I said, whether it's energy payments, um, there's stuff on self-managed super funds. There's We've got yeah. a lot of content. If there's something that's of interest to you in Bitcoin, we're probably covering it. That's so awesome. yeah, definitely I've come actually, along. Yeah, I've I've personally changed my holiday plan so I can so I can come to it. So I'm about to buy oh, a ticket wow. as soon as we get off. So yeah. I'm oh my god! Wow, thank you so yeah. much. That is amazing. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking no, forward to exciting. meeting you in person. Oh no, well, me too. All right, Chris, is there anything else you want to plug? Anything else you want to mention for our audience before we? Uh... Um, no, I don't think so. Uh, you'll probably find me hopping on a number of different podcasts around. Um, so maybe I'll be a familiar voice to some people, but, um, yeah, if, if you just want to have a chat about Bitcoin, reach out to me. I'm always happy to. If you want to learn more about the conference, um, you've got other questions, reach out to us. We're happy to answer them. We're like Bitcoin. We're open source. Um, happy to fill you in with whatever we can. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, we just want to see as many Bitcoiners or people who aren't even Bitcoiners, but perhaps interested coming mm. to this thing and, and learning why it's so amazing. Thank you very much, Chris. It's been a real pleasure. And apologies, Gordon wasn't here today, but we'll, um, yeah, I'll see you in Sydney next month. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the show, Faris. Really appreciate it. It's been awesome. Thanks for watching or listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, and share so we can spread this educational content to others like yourself. Visit bitcoinbasics.help. Disclaimer, any content provided by CoinCompass is for educational and informational purposes only and is not investment, legal, tax, or any other professional advice. A qualified professional should be consulted before making any financial decisions. CoinCompass will at times recommend certain products, services, and technologies, but these are opinions based upon our own or podcast guests' experience and not endorsements. We take no liability for out-of-date or inaccurate information, software bugs, manufacturing errors, technology misuse, or issues involving third parties. Visit coincompass.com for more information and please contact us.